Hello there. Welcome to the World Cafe podcast. This podcast has been designed with created content that centers on the power of words. Can we really do anything without speaking? Can we really do anything without the agency of words? Yes, that is what this podcast is all about. And I am your host, Amakri Isubuye, your neighborhood word trader. I believe in the power of words, for it is the unit of creation. I trade in words to profit my world. And some things that should not have been forgotten were lost. History became legend. Legends became myths, and for two and a half thousand years, the ring passed out of all knowledge. <laughs> Hello there. You're wondering why I'm starting the show with that line. Before I go further, I'll just tell you where I welcome you on the show. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good everything. How are you all doing? Beautiful. Yes, I'm doing great myself. So, I started the show today by reading that line for those of us who are movie lovers. If you've seen the movie Lord of the Rings, yes, when Galadriel in Lord of the Rings, yes, Fellowship of the Rings now made that comment. And for your information, I want to talk about today, the creation or making of a myth. Yeah, M-Y-T-H. But before we go into the show proper, I have a lot of stories anyway today to tell you along the way as we talk about myth. I want us to first of all look at the word myth, where it all, you know, came from. What's the meaning? Because that is how I love approaching I mean, topics and discussions like this. What does it mean? Yeah. Well, simply put, I just went to check the etymology of the word myth. And you have it directly from modern Latin, mythos. From Greek, mythos. It means speech, thought, word, discourse, conversation, story, saga, tale, basically delivered by word of mouth. A word of unknown origin. Yep. So that is the meaning of myth. And from my observation, I've come to see that so many things we have uh, around us as humans, governing our processes, guiding our processes, or emanates from a story that was told or that we heard, you know, like a law where you have, uh, we call it folklore, and from one generation to the other, you, you have this story being told. Why this or why that? A little bit of exaggeration here or there, then some creativity. You see us uh, come up with some uh, creative ideas about the story, try to give it our own meaning. So we come to see all of that be an urban legend or something but we are creatures that are driven by story yep you know this story 
becomes part of our consciousness, becomes part of our awareness, our knowledge, and we transmit this from one generation to the other. And, you know, the story just goes on and on and on and on. And if you try to understand when, when does all of this start, you might not be able to place a finger on it. So I have some couple of stories <laughs> to share with you on this. First of all, I'm going to start with this story. You know, back in back in the days, back in school, my undergrad now, I did biochemistry uh, in school. So we do a lot of uh, uh, chemical stuff. You look at uh, why this, why that, you know. And one particular thing that caught my attention back then was this. Uh, what I call it, compound or element, carotene, basically found in carrots, that gives it that coloration and all that. And we've come to be, we've been told it helps with our sight, vision, and all that. So I went to like, you know, find out, dig deep to know why exactly, why. So I stumbled upon the story. Yep. The belief that carrots improve your eyesight dates back to the World War II propaganda. Mm, you have it. It was a World War II propaganda. And I'm going to read some excerpts from this so that we come to see. That's the first story we're going to deal with now, you know, building on the creation of myth. So I read. So listen. <laughs> Children have long been urged to eat carrots in order to improve their vision. But the carrot-filled diet won't get you 20-20 vision or help you to see in the dark. That idea was a legacy of World War II when the British government aided and abated by Walt Disney. Old Britons told Britons, I beg your pardon, too, that eating carrots could sharpen their eyesight and help win the war. The message resonated with its mothers and is still persuasive today. There is a link between carrots and eyesight. Carrots contain better carotene. That's the compound I was telling you about, which helps produce deadly eye-boosting vitamin A. However, it doesn't actually ship in eyesight. What vitamin A can do is cure nine blindness, a disorder that makes it difficult to see in low light. Although nine blindness is sometimes caused by cataracts, in cases where it is caused by vitamin A deficiency, carrots are one way to save the day. During World War II, Great Britain had good reasons to be concerned about nine blindness, to foil raids by German bombers who targeted the lives of the lives of towns and cities. England went almost totally dark at night. The blackout lasted from 1939 to 1945 and the lack of light caused accidents. Yep, you can see that there's something here. Uh, look out in the blackout. You know, that's a thing before you cross the road and advert then to help people. On December 22nd, 1940, the British Ministry of Agriculture released a statement urging the populace to eat carrots. If we included a sufficient quantity of carrots in our diet, the statement read, we should overcome the fairly prevalent malady 
of blackout blindness. Mm -hmm. But the government had another motivation in pushing carrots. Great Britain faced food shortage due to wartime rationing and carrots were plentiful and cheap. This led government agencies to tap them as having eye-strengthening powers as part of widespread campaigns aimed at getting the British public to eat carrots. I'm going to end it there now because a lot happened, you know, in the uh, propagation of this, you know, within uh, the British, as in the British Isles, England and what have you, you know. So basically, you can see carrots were pushed forward. You know, it became an urban legend in my opinion, where you're told or we're told that it helps with you heard it, mind blindness and all that, which is actually not true. But that was pushed out to, you know, sell a story in another way. They were facing a hunger for food shortage. And that period, carrot was plentiful. So how do we get people to, you know, eat carrots? So we tell them a story. We come up with a story back it up with some level of logic and you know in that desperation questions were not really asked and they just gulped it in everybody like yes and from one generation to the other this message has been passed even when we're doing as in my undergrad i mean now about chemistry when it came to carotene and we're just like yes it improves eyesight and what have you but really so you see how stories are powerful tools in carrying a message from one generation to the other and a lot of us don't ask questions we just take it as like this is what you know we were told that we don't ask why like engage our minds okay the next story is grandma's ham Ham, that is H-A-M, a story of cultural training. Why did grandma cut off the ends of the ham? I want you to listen to this. It's very interesting. This is a great story about cultural training, which is when one generation or employee teaches another a process. Another word for cultural training is OJT, meaning on-the-job training where one person is taxed with passing down knowledge to another person, often in a short time. A husband and his wife were in the kitchen. Yes, that's the story. Were in the kitchen. The husband was sitting, yep, at the kitchen table reading the newspaper while his wife was preparing a ham for dinner. The husband watched the wife cut off about one inch from either end of the ham. He asked why she cut the end off, proclaiming that's a waste of good ham. She said, that's the way my mom prepared the ham. The husband asked, why did you, or why did your mom cut off the ends off? The wife, they didn't know. Okay. Later, the wife called her mom to find out why she cut the ends of the ham of her mom said because that was the way my mom prepared ham 
really, the wife's grandma passed away several years earlier, but her grandma was still her grandma was still living. She called her grandpa and asked, Grandpa, why did grandma cut the ends off of the hand? He was silent as he thought for a moment. Then he replied, so the ham could fit into the baking pan. <laughs> Did you hear that? Did you hear that? So she didn't know, as it were, she saw her mom growing up preparing ham. You cut off both ends, put it in the pan. She didn't know why. She asked her mom. Her mom didn't know why. That that's how my grand, I mean, your grandmother, my mother prepared it. But when she eventually got the answer from her grandpa, as her grandfather, because they had smaller pans those days. So what the, I mean, her parents of all those generations, that generation of uh, ham eaters did was just take a little chunk from both ends so that they can fit into the pan. But now nobody explained it. So from one generation to the other, it, it now became like a tradition, a belief system woven into the cultural system or fabric of that uh, society. But now she finally got the answer. We see how legends or myths, I beg your pardon, myths are created like storytelling storytelling that is predicated on some challenges faced and we came up with an answer i would say temporarily you know using the solutions now we pass it on many a times or many times i beg your pardon this is through either oral tradition that's oral storytelling or by mirroring, you just look at your parents or you look at that person you hold so dear as in, in highest in doing something like we say monkey do or monkey see, monkey do. And it is taken from one generation to the other. It has its good sides, but I think it's bad. the bad side to what is worse because now we become so biased in our judgment you know we become so mm, consumed with what we think or what we have come to see as the truth or we have come to see as our culture it influences us negatively i think we should be careful Ask questions, search, just to know why, just to know why. And I was listening to uh, I'm trying to remember her name now, Mfon Pepo. I want to believe I got her name correctly. You know, she is a partner with John Maxwell's. Uh, uh, ministry, if I use that word, 
John Maxwell's uh, team. She said something once. I sat on her one of her lessons and she said something that was so mind-boggling to me, but at the same time, very true. A lot of us think we shouldn't ask God questions, like interact with Him, fellowship with Him. You know, the word questioning authority and asking authority questions, they are two different things. You know, questioning authority as as to asking authority questions. There are two different things, in my opinion. You know, you sit with your child and your child puts a question across to you. It's different from when the child, would I say, stands up in opposition to question your authority. There are two different things. Now, you're having a relationship with your as in sitting down with your children and you pull out discussing and he or she says, mommy or daddy, why, why, why this? Why do we have to do this? It's only the child is trying to learn. Also to help, to help the child's understanding and perception of reality, his or her world, to embrace in, you know, what the truth really is. So, one shouldn't be scared in answering those questions. So you don't just feel like, why? No, you, you answer to the best of your ability, but you let the child also know the truth. I don't have all the answers, but this is what I think, because over time I have come to like, you know, practice it and again and again and again. So we shouldn't be scared to ask questions like the authority ask the authority questions i am not saying question the authority i'm saying ask the authority questions and those of us who sit in places of authority we shouldn't be scared <laughs> yeah we shouldn't be to answer questions and give answers to the best of our ability not to manipulate it not to Make it look like you're serving yourself. How dare you question me? No. Because in answering these questions, you also, you are learning. And scriptures tells me, God is ever willing to give us answers. And his answers are always answers of peace. He's never afraid of our questions. He's, he's, he's not taken aback either. But, you know, in course of questioning, we come to relate with him at this level and he begins to open up things to us and we begin to learn and we begin, begin to become better people because we're we, we we growing from one level of knowledge to the other. We have been exposed to the truth, his truth. I, I felt to share this because we live in a time and a generation where we have a lot of questions. But at the same time, a lot of us are afraid to ask the questions or we're running away from the questions. There's this change happening in our society, in our world today. And these changes need answers. 
And the truth is the answers we receive will give us the peace that we need to live fulfilled. So do not be afraid to ask questions and do not be afraid to give answers to the best of your ability, acknowledging your limitations also. Acknowledging your vulnerability also. It opens you up to more research and more learning. All right, guys, you know how we do it on the show. This is the space where we come to lean on one another's experience and yes, to forge a positive path. Whatever you do this season, do not be afraid to ask questions and do not be afraid to give answers or be truthful with your answers. Till I come your way again. Bye for now. Awesome time it has been with you on the World Cafe podcast today. Thank you for being there. You can catch me up on my social media handles, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, all at Amakri Isoboye. Also, you can get copies of my books, A Cocktail of Words, The Color of Words by Hicharon Notebook, and Hocus Focus on God on Amazon and Roving Heights online bookstores. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel at the same address at Amakri Isoboye. I love to hear from you and how this podcast has impacted you. You can leave me a message at my email address, amakrigaribaldi at gmail.com. That is A-M-A-C-H-R-E-E-G-A-R-I-B-A-L-D-I. Yes, till I come your way again. Bye for now.